Alrighty, uh, welcome back to another episode of the Justify Your Existence podcast. Today is Tuesday, January 16th. We're recording a, a day later than usual because um, of the weather. The uh, snowpocalypse is upon us. Uh, neither of us can get into the office, so we're trying to uh, do our best here doing this remotely. So um, please be a little patient i guess with us today um but uh as always um well first off i'm your host brendan farrell and i've got my co-host james here uh james say hello hello folks hope you're staying safe in this weather Uh, james i don't know about you i made chili last night to kind of put up with the weather um and i put way too much hot sauce in it so um yeah i guess i'm staying warm at least so I mean, if there's any way to survive the, as you call it, snow apocalypse, it's with whatever spice you can, whatever spice you can get in your food. So yeah, uh, I'm gonna have to put up with it for a few more nights because it's the only thing I can make right now. So, um, but anyway, um, James and I both write for the Daily Journal. You can see all of our coverage at djournal.com and follow us on social at djournalsports. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at bfarrell727. And James on Twitter at JS Murphy Media. Um, so, uh, we got a few things to cover. Uh, I think the first thing I'm going to knock off uh, was just just for a little bit of talk about the national championship game, which was last week, but feels like longer for some reason. Um, and then we'll get into some uh, SEC basketball. So, uh, yeah, James, just overall, like, did you think there was anything that Ole Miss or Mississippi State really uh, could take away from that? You know, it's tough to say because Michigan did it in a way. No one's really done it in a long time. You know, if I'd say in the years leading up to COVID, it was all about having the best athletes. And, and even the 2021 and two was all about having the best athletes and having explosive offenses and defense that could make enough plays, if not, if not were dominant. But you see, Michigan didn't have like the most five stars that they brought in. They had it at positions that mattered. They had it at quarterback, they had it at cornerback, and they had a borderline five-star running back. But for the most part, it was about developing talent to create an elite, to create an elite team. So I would say if Ole Miss and Mississippi State want to get to that point, I think it starts with culture. I think that's the biggest thing because as Michigan showed the best culture and that can create a lot, can create a lot of good things. Cause the thing that you saw for Michigan was that they never panicked when they got, when Ohio state was making a run at them late, they didn't panic when when they were down a touchdown against Alabama with four or three minutes to go, they didn't panic. Just a lot of instances throughout the year where they didn't panic and they demonstrated a lot of toughness. Now, again, there's no one way to go about this. I think that you could argue the way that Ole Miss is going about with getting a bunch of really good guys through the portal could end up working. And then that could be an option. And I think, you know, possibly what Mississippi state's doing by creating a high flying offense and a defense that can do enough, that could be a good enough way. But if I could create one thread that I think every team should probably have, I think it, I think each team would probably need to have a culture and they would need to have toughness. 
Yeah, um, I think it's interesting to try to play the uh, takeaway game here because, uh, you know, things are just going to be so different in the next few years here with uh, 12 teams instead of four. And we've gotten so used to four and all of a sudden now it's like, well, we're just going to triple the size of this thing virtually overnight. Yeah, and you know we we could end up happening maybe maybe not the first year, but eventually maybe you have a team five through eight or eight through twelve win the whole thing or maybe do something or at least make a deep run. And um, you know, again, there's a lot of different ways to do it. And again, we might see other teams be able to do it. It's going to be very interesting to see next year. Yeah, and um, I think also kind of one of the more interesting things is that you know. I felt like for a long time with the playoff, you could just sort of pencil in the same like three, four teams every year. Right. Um, you know, for a while there, it was like, hey, well, Alabama and Clemson are going to be there. And Oklahoma is probably going to be there from the Big 12. Uh, and then you, we might have like a, you know, or well, yeah. And then like Ohio State, right. Or, you know, Notre Dame might squeeze in there. Right. Um, I think it's kind of just been interesting over the last couple of years with TCU and Washington getting into the title game that um, maybe you don't necessarily have to be like a blue blood to be like a contender now, Um, which is, you know, obviously good news for both Mississippi schools here. 100%. It's also a sign that whether it's you, you credit it more to NIL or the transfer portal or both, the power the power in the sport seems to have been more spread out you know i think that one of the one of the unintended consequences of the 14 playoffs that it ended up putting a lot of the resources and power towards about four or five schools because those were the only schools that people wanted to go to because those were the only schools that consistently contended for national championships but now because players are able to move more freely from school to school and they're able to make more and they're able to make money off their likeness and be able to go really go from there other schools are able to get involved and thus things get more spread out and i think that's what we saw with TCU and Washington making the title game and i do have a feeling that might just be the standard going forward because you're not just seeing it there you're also seeing it in college basketball i think we had you know we had a Florida Atlantic and San Diego State in the final in the final four and San Diego State ended up making the final. It's just just in college sports in general and especially football. It just feels like power's being more spread out. Yeah, I mean it does kind of create a um kind of circular logic thing of like, well, the same like handful of teams get into the playoffs, so therefore all the good players go to those schools. So that then like those schools keep making the playoff right and so on and so forth um but also i would like to say that, that i think the uh 12 team playoff is going to be great for the uh james franklins of the world and the you know just the schools that are you know annual like new year's six contenders but not necessarily playoff contenders if that makes sense yeah 100 percent because Listen, even if you make it in as a tw- even if you make it in as the 12th seed, you can still be able to advertise to that. Like, look, we gave ourselves a chance to compete for a national championship because that's what this 12th team. That's the biggest thing with this 12th team playoff. So it's going to be good for guys like him and a lot of people going forward. Yeah. And then I think you're also going to see um, I, I think this is probably gonna be the last year that you're going to see a uh, undefeated 
title winner. I don't know, maybe not undefeated, but like maybe not the last year, but um, sort of a four-team semifinal where everybody's like zero or one losses, right? Because, you know, I mean, you look around at the SEC next year. I mean, even the easiest SEC schedule is going to be brutal compared to years past, right? So right. Um, it'll be interesting to see how like that breaks down because all of a sudden, you know, that second loss isn't going to kill you, right? Like if you're Ole Miss, like if that was, you know, the case this year, you know, yeah, losing to Georgia and Alabama sucked, but that probably still would have been good enough for you to get into the playoff anyway. So definitely. And even going off of that, I think this could be, I think that going forward, we'll see a lot more of the top four seeds with two losses because I think that with an expanded field, the committee, I have a feeling at the very least, I think they should be rewarding teams with tougher schedules and not quite as good of records as opposed to teams with better records, but schedules that aren't quite as strong. Right. So I mean, we'll, we'll have to see how that all breaks down. Um, but I think also the one thing I'm wondering is, you know, I felt like so much of the narrative of that playoff game or that championship game was, um, uh, Michigan's early dominance on the ground and in the trenches sort of, I mean, those go hand in hand, but um, I just find it interesting because of how much Ole Miss has added to their defensive line through the portal um, on that side of the ball. But on the other side, you know, your top running back just transferred. So it'd be interesting to see how that breaks down. Yeah, definitely, definitely uh, hurts an Ole Miss fan, especially after all the momentum they were building in the transfer portal, they got getting all those guys in. But, you know, again, it seemed like for the locker room, you, people could argue that letting Judkins go might have been the right thing to do. But even then, that's a lot of production to replace. Yeah. So, I mean, we'll have to see how it all breaks down. But I, I don't really feel like um, watching the playoff games that, like, I would be too um, – I'm trying to find the right word here, but – I wouldn't be too discouraged. I think that's probably what I would say is that it seems like Ole Miss is on the right track to to hang in there with everybody. And it seems like they're sort of the popular um, sleeper pick for next year, which um, no longer means you're a sleeper pick, right? Yeah, I guess not because, I mean, if you're in the play – again, if you're in the playoff next year and you have a chance to compete for the title, you know, you're going to be plenty awake that makes sense yeah well i'm just saying that if everybody's picking you then you already have a lot of attention yeah so therefore yeah. you're there you're not a you're not a sleeper it's sort yeah, of like I, those um i don't know if you've ever seen i don't know if this happens in other sports but in hockey uh you know it'll come out that like oh and like a player's poll like 85 percent of players said x player is underrated and it's like well if that's the case are they really underrated then yeah, I guess not. You know, it's it's like a math thing. Like you're over a certain amount, then you know you can't be really underlooked. If this meant if a majority of people are looking at you and saying, "Hey, this team might be good," if you're the popular pick for being an underrated team, then you're not underrated. Yeah, it's like a paradox that doesn't really add up. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I don't know. Anything else you wanted to add on this front? It was a great season, and um, 
going to be really exciting to see what happens with the 12 team playoff. I think you could argue that both teams, I think you could argue that there's a lot of different ways to get to the national championship and win the national championship, at least these days. And I think it's going to be interesting to see if Ole Miss, Mississippi State are going to be able to do that with each of their paths, which I think will bring something new to the equation. Yeah. Um, certainly, this is going to be the last year that we will have like this because, you know, there's a whole new era of college football coming next year between, you know, conference realignment uh, and, you know, tripling the size of the of the playoff. Um, you know, whether you like it or not, things will never be the same. Nope. Um, but anyway, um, you just wrote uh, an article. We're transitioning here from the gridiron to the court uh, to the hardwood, whatever you you feel. Uh, you, you just put out an article on um, kind of some takeaways from Mississippi State's start to SEC play here. I did, and they had a pretty telling week against both number five Tennessee and Alabama, who, Brendan, I know you're a big fan of Ken Palm. These teams about this time last week were two of the top ten teams within that ranking, and I'm of the belief that you learn a lot about a team in January. You learn a lot about what you're capable of. You learn a lot about what you are, how you can win, how you can lose, just, just, et cetera, et cetera. And on Wednesday, they hosted Tennessee, and despite giving up a, a little bit more than they would have been comfortable with, were able to answer with more. They beat Tennessee, and then against Alabama, close game late, but they just, I think they went over their last six free throws, and Alabama was able to run away with it. So. You know, some of the biggest things that stood out to me, both a little bit of good and some other things that I feel like, Eric, you got to work on. Biggest thing to me is Tolu Smith. He was out with a foot injury up until about New Year's Eve and had been on a bit of a uh, minutes limit, if you will. Like he wasn't getting fully integrated for a little bit, but he got fully integrated against Tennessee. He ended up leading them with about 23 points. He ended up leading Mississippi State with 23 points. It was very good there. Even in the loss against Alabama, he had a double-double. He was at 15 points, 10 rebounds. You know, for a team that values rebounding and values uh, post-presence and being able to work the paint, having him back is huge. And he was able to show that in a in a week like that. And um, I think the other biggest thing was um, there were two things that kind of stood out from each game. So one, the, well, that was one thing from each game was uh, against Tennessee, um, Chris Jones was talking about how that was the toughest game, the most physical game they've played all season. And I mentioned how against Alabama – Mississippi State was had trouble with free throws. And to me, I feel like a common thread there is depth because what depth does is one of two things. One, it helps you to survive the physical games because you have more bodies involved who aren't taking on quite as much of wear and tear. And two, by having depth, guys are fresher down the stretch so that when you get to about a minute left and you have to make a free throw, the guys are probably going to have a better chance of doing it because they're not quite as tired. So... I think those two things really stick out. I know that uh, when we saw them, when they came up to Tupelo and played North Texas, uh, Keyshawn Murphy was very good. And I do think he brings a lot of versatility just from just that, that he can drive. He can do a lot of things well. And it is just a mismatch for anybody he comes up on, really. I think having him back will be in, eventually will be important. I know he's had some personal issues that he's been working through. We'll see if that keeps him out of the game against Kentucky, number six, Kentucky on tomorrow. Um, 
having guys like him back, whether it's him or just somebody who's able to step up and is able to take the reins whenever somebody needs a breather, I think those things will be big. And just overall, I do think that Mississippi State has the pieces to make a deep run. You know, last year was Jans' first year. They made it to the first four, lost a really close one to Pittsburgh. This year, they are they do have the tools to, at the very least, become a team that nobody wants to face in March. But it's just a matter of putting it together and getting there. Yeah, I mean, I was going to say that I feel like uh, Mississippi State has had just kind of an interesting season just overall because, uh, you know, those losses aren't great. I mean, like Alabama was like the first like quality loss, I guess. Yeah. Um, like, I think things are still looking pretty good for the tournament for State, but when it comes down to it, uh, that Southern loss could be killer. Because uh, that's a that's a quad four loss there, and uh, really want to avoid those. Um, yeah, one hundred percent. But I, I mean, like Tennessee, that's a quality quality win there, um, and you would really like to get Alabama, but um, you know they'll have another opportunity um, on on Wednesday with Kentucky. I mean, that's on the road. I believe that's a quad one game. So, um, and they'll have. Plenty, plenty of opportunities for some really nice wins uh, through conference play here. There's two ways to look at it if you're Mississippi State or just a fan. But, you know, the one opportunity is, you know, obviously you have plenty of the opportunities to get really big wins and boost your resume. But the other thing is it's a really tough schedule with not a lot of breaks. You know, it's just going from. Uh, just going from Tennessee to Alabama to Kentucky, and then they're going to have to face a couple more teams down the stretch. Obviously, none of that, most of that's not very easy. So, definitely a lot of, a lot of opportunities. Again, a lot of it just comes down to execution and a lot of what I talked about. Yeah, I mean, like, uh, it's just, I mean, that, that's just a, it's just a tough run right now. I mean, you get to Kentucky this week. Um, and, you know, obviously, like, you never want to look past a game, but. You know, Vanderbilt is bad. Um, but, I mean, they'll play Florida, Auburn, Ole Miss, Alabama. Like, that's not a fun run of games. Um, so, they'll have, to, they'll have to figure some stuff out. Um, but it'll be interesting to see because, you know, there are games like Tennessee. Um, you know, and maybe Alabama to an extent where you're like, well, they can probably give anybody a run for their money. But when does it come together? 100%. And another thing that um, also stood out to me to an extent was I think they need a little bit more out of their perimeter shooting. You know, as much as rebounding and post presence can help, you do have to be able to balance that out. Um, I think probably the, one of their best scores is Josh Hubbard, who's able to come off the bench and really give you a couple of three pointers and some defense. But um, I think they need a couple more guys to step up from the perimeter. Yeah, they're what, 236 in the country in three point percentage. So, um, not exactly where you want to be, but you know, it's not. Ter- it's it's better than they were last year when they were, I think, quite literally, like the worst three point shooting team in the country. It is better, but again, if you want to be able to build off of year one, where they didn't make a lot of improvements, you got to be able to be able to spread the ball out. Yeah, um, I mentioned some quadrant stuff. Just kind of like a quick little check in here with how things are um, trending um, right now. Uh, Mississippi State is 34th in the net rankings. Uh, they received some votes in the AP Top 25. 
I think it was like three votes. Um, so, um, but you know, with the uh, run of games that they have, a couple of wins can easily get you into the poll here. Um, and the uh, Park Torvik rankings have them as an 89.4% chance uh, to make the tournament. Uh, and uh, Joe Lunardi's latest bracketology has state at uh, a nine seed playing Nevada. And personally, I think the eight nine spot is. I would rather be a like 10, 11 seed than an eight nine. Why is that? Because even if you win, you get the top seed after. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's a. Yeah, I never thought of it that way. That's a pretty good way of looking at it. But, um, and then uh, James, I was uh, at uh, the pavilion for the last couple of games here uh, covering Ole Miss basketball. Uh, Ole Miss come up with a couple of uh, a couple of wins, uh, one being a lot better than the other. Um, you know, the Rebels uh, got a pretty, pretty good win against Florida, not just because it was Florida, but also because, uh, well, they won by a lot. <laughs> um, so it's kind of a... Uh, Interesting game. I mentioned on the pod uh, last week that uh, they were going to have some issues rebounding uh, because Florida is one of the best offensive rebounding teams in the country. And I was right. Um, but I did not see a uh, I did not see Ole Miss putting up 103 points and winning by 18. Uh, I was right about the offensive rebounds. Florida actually had more offensive rebounds than Ole Miss had defensive rebounds. Uh, Florida pulled down 26 offensive rebounds to Ole Miss's 24 defensive rebounds and somehow still got just destroyed. Um, right. Difference is uh, Ole Miss had, uh, well, Ole Miss shot 59% from the field, and you're not going to lose many games shooting 59% from the field. No. Uh, and also uh, Ole Miss had uh, 16 blocks on the night. It was a uh, it was a big old block party, and of course uh, that whole block party was led by Jamarian Sharp's uh, program record nine in a game. So uh, pretty interesting night there. Yeah, I know we talked about how important it was to bounce back from a tough loss at Tennessee. How how well would you say they did that with these two games? Um. I would say the Florida game is a lot better than the Vanderbilt game. Um, you know, Ole Miss had, you know, two guys hit 20 uh, plus points in Jamie Brakefield and Matthew Morrell um, against Florida. Florida is a much better opponent than Vanderbilt is. Um, I think Florida's, yeah, Florida's 40th in Ken Palm right now, and Vanderbilt's hanging out at 191st. So uh, just a slight difference there. Just, just, just a little. Just like older. a little. Just like a little. Um, but I mean, also, like that game was over with like twelve minutes left in the second half. Uh, mm-hmm. You may look at that and say, "Well, you know, it was only eighteen points, uh, but it felt like a lot more than that." Um, right. But I mean, also, just sort of feels like, you know, what. Ole Miss feels like it's capable of doing on a night where everything comes together, right? When you start, you know, 13 and 0, I think, and 
you know, the, the computers don't really seem to like you and you're, you know, the number one team in luck on uh, Ken Palm, right? It's sort of like, okay, well, how for real are you? Right. And then you, you know, get your butt kicked by a good team in Tennessee. It's like, you know, it's, it's like, okay, well, uh, you're on fraud alert now. Right. Mm-hmm. So to come back and get a pretty uh, convincing win against Florida, the next game is huge for them. But also, uh, I think Vanderbilt's a pretty easy team to look past because there are just so many good SEC teams this year. Right. right? You get Vanderbilt, who is by far and away the worst team in the SEC, at home, noon tip off on a Saturday. Right. Like that is like that. Like that's a trap game in college yeah. basketball. Right. Mm-hmm. Um and it was just weird because it was like fine, you know, right? Like it, it was just one of those games that's a little frustrating because they, I don't know if they, well, I think they trailed for all of like five seconds. Uh, but it never felt like they led by more than like six, seven, eight points, right? So it's like, right. is Vanderbilt really in this game? Not really, but you'd like to see maybe a better kind of performance. Yeah, you would have wanted to see them just, kind of put it away sooner right um but i think the interesting thing is well for one the big change for Ole Miss this year is that last year they were one of the worst three-point shooting teams in the country uh and this year they're one of the best right mm-hmm. and that's a huge shift in terms well i mean just for a lot of things but you know improved offensive efficiency will will heal a lot of wounds right right um and for the first half, like that's pretty much how it went, right? Like they were, I have to go back and check, but they shot super well in the first half. And this was fresh off coming off 103 points against Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, but then they just got extremely cold in the second half. And um, so I think for them to find a way to put Vanderbilt away in the second half, like they still outscored Vanderbilt. 28 24 in the second half right so to put them away while still shooting cold right like it tells you that they're doing more than just shooting really well mm-hmm. uh, and also i think uh, another big key for them is uh matthew morell has been has been hot um you know he's sh- he scored 20 plus points in his in back-to-back games so you know that'll yeah. that'll do when it comes to some of that three-point shooting and from what you saw in those games, do you think it's more of the players that I, – I, I assume they brought in a lot of new players, but do you think it's more on that or do you think it's more of the approach that they're taking offensively? I think it's more so the approach. I think the shot selection has been pretty good. Um, you know, it, it's not like – you know, it's not like they're just hucking up threes with, you know, hands in their face or whatever, like – they're doing a pretty good job of finding the right shot too. Um, okay. You know, granted, given my kind of analytical focus to things, uh, it's gonna be hard for me to be like, yeah, no, three point shooting is bad, right? Yeah. Um, I know. I never really feel like. I never really feel like if they go up for a three and I go, "Don't do that! Don't do that!" Yeah. Um, but I mean, I've also I, I put up something on Twitter yesterday that um basically like they're like the five guys who shoot their most three-point attempts they are all shooting 
at the best three-point percentage of their career. Okay. Okay, like, yeah. But you're able to get that many guys performing their best. That's when a lot of good things happen. Yeah. Like, it's not just one guy getting hot. It's everybody is shooting really well. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I talk a lot, I guess, about Ole Miss's rebounding issues. Um, but, you know, when when you struggle to rebound more so than their defensive end uh you have to make the most of every possession right and so if you're also not giving yourself second chances uh hitting a bunch of threes will help oh yeah i imagine and to be able to do it at that pace you can contend with anybody yeah exactly well yeah i mean they don't play super fast so it's like limit the number of possessions we're gonna hit shots and um, we're going to try our best to defend the perimeter and shoot well from the perimeter. Okay. Right? I feel like that's sort of the recipe right now. And that's sort of kind of been Chris Beard's thing. Okay. Yeah. He's been able to translate that over well in just his first year. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and you know, there were, there were the, I don't know, did you see the Jerry Stackhouse quote about Ole Miss having the best roster line or a school can buy or whatever oh i did not actually yeah yeah that happened after the uh, vanderbilt game which is i don't know like yeah i mean obviously they did, they did a lot in the transfer portal but i mean the top scorer on saturday was matthew morrell who's been there for quite a bit so yeah, yeah. you know yeah. like guys like musa say will help but i i just think it's funny when you know not quite the case, but we'll see. Yeah, kind of like those. Well, yes, but actually, no. Yes, exactly. There's, yeah. Uh, if if you were going to say that, I would say that about the football team, not the basketball team. Yeah, yeah. Maybe he thought he was talking about football instead. I know he's the coach at Vanderbilt, but I don't. I don't. Do they acknowledge the football program? I don't know. Just be a way to rationalize it. No. Well. Anyway, um, I don't know. Is there anything else you wanted to add? No, those are, those are all the big things. Really excited to see what happens with the basketball teams. I see MSU. They got obviously they got Kentucky and Vanderbilt, if I'm correct. And uh, Ole Miss has LSU and Auburn on the road. Those will be two the two interesting games. Yeah, uh, I would say Auburn more so than LSU, but yes. Yeah. All right. Well. Um, once again, you can follow myself and James at, uh, well, I'm at bferrell727 on Twitter. James is JS Murphy Media. Uh, you can, you know, follow D Journal Sports too on Twitter. Uh, and if you want more of our Ole Miss or Mississippi State coverage, check out our lineup of newsletters at djournal.com slash newsletters. Uh, and if you want to join the conversation with other fans, uh, feel free to check out our Mississippi State Sports Discussion or Ole Miss Sports Discussion groups on Facebook. Um, Once again, um, thanks for listening to Justify Your Existence. Please stay warm and uh, stay safe and everything. And uh, thanks for listening.